0: Church family, welcome to the Tuesday edition of our TNT devotional. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. My name is Larry and I have the great honor of working here at New Hope Church as the Creative Arts Director. It's also a great honor getting to join you, the church, here today. Uh, I just got to say at the top here, the magic of these mornings here together is, is more than the content of our devotionals. Now don't get me wrong, we are always happy to open God's word with you and we rest knowing that his word never returns void and has the power to change lives but to be honest it is just as much about your faithfulness and coming here and having community with one another praying for each other and 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 all of that that just makes this time so uplifting so thank you and please continue doing just what you're doing share where you're watching from put prayer requests out there pray for one another like and share these devotionals and our Sunday services so that others out there can join us in this mutual encouragement that takes place right here and in our chats. Just in short, continue being the church. Well, uh, December is in full swing, and we are now a mere nine days away from our Christmas Eve services. Nine days in paper and on paper and in my mind. December is one of the absolute best times of year. It's the season of Advent, a celebration of the, the coming of our Lord, a time of building anticipation. The, the carol that we sang uh, this past weekend, O Holy Night, uh, which was written back in the mid-19th century, a time when authors were uh, a little bit more prone to wax poetic, it, it says it like this. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining, pining. I love that phrasing, the the picture of the world missing and longing for the return of its love. And that's a that's a much more proper picture than what we typically experience or I'll at least speak for me personally. Having worked in the church for more than the last decade, specifically in the kind of production and worship ministries, can I make a can I make a confession this morning? The lead up to Christmas is normally a little bit busier than that picture of pining or of being wrapped in eager anticipation. I'll confess that uh, it's often easier to be a Martha than a Mary during this kind of a season. The list of preparations can feel never-ending. December and the season of Advent can, can often test the mettle of, of a church worker. Uh, in fact, let me take a moment right here um, So just give a huge thank you and shout out to some of the teams who've dedicated so much of their time and their talents and their energies into crafting our upcoming Christmas Eve services. So uh, thank you uh, and a shout out to our worship and production and creative communication teams. Do me a favor and, and show those guys some love in the comments. I'll tell you, those guys and gals have done a fantastic job of working alongside Pastor Tim. To craft our services this year, making something fun and engaging, fit for our experience of social distancing and, and remotely tuning in, but, but that more than anything else, a service that communicates the earth-changing good news that God sent his son as a baby and in humility, and all of that in light of what will be his second coming, which we're still looking forward to when he's going to come again in power and glory. We, we really think that we've got something special for you for Christmas services, and we're so excited for everyone to get to come and experience it. So be looking forward to that. And as if all of that wasn't enough, for me personally, my family has an added layer of waiting expectation. Uh, my wonderful wife Gina and I are due to have our fifth child in just a matter of weeks. Uh, Proverbs 127 tells us that that the fruit of the womb is... is A reward that it's it's like arrows in the hands of a warrior and that blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them so thank you jesus for continuing to move as we wrap up the year 2020 this past weekend uh pastor tim spoke about zechariah and his journey from from disbelief Uh, If you haven't had a chance to hear that message, I'm going to highly encourage you. Go back, give it a listen. It is so good. When Zechariah began his journey, the disparity between his head knowledge about God and knowing God and his faithfulness in his heart was expressed through his tongue. So watch that with me. I don't want you to miss it. You can have a, a head knowledge about God, and you can actually know him in your heart, and there's a tiny but powerful indicator between the two of those, and that's that's the mouth and specifically the tongue. Throughout the Bible, it talks about it. In James, uh, he lays out for us in his epistle by the same name that, that just as you can control a horse with a small bit in its mouth or you can control a, a giant ship with a small rudder, so also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. In Luke 6, verse 45, it, it puts it that, Out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the tongue speaks. That means that getting a a temperature reading on our hearts is, is often as simple as paying attention to the words of our mouth. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says that whoever keeps his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Well, Zechariah hadn't quite tamed his tongue or the heart for which it spoke, so God in his grace bound it up until Zechariah's heart fell in line with his mind in believing upon the wonderful promises of God. So, church, I have a, I have a question for you right here this morning. Uh, have you ever had a moment in your life when you wished that God had just taken away your ability to speak? Has anyone ever not paid heed to the power of the tongue and and let loose something that you wish you could take back? That you wish that God would have divinely shut your mouth before it happened. I know I've been there, Uh, and God God doesn't always save us from ourselves in that way, although I, I do believe that sometimes he orchestrates the occasional missed connection or dropped phone call for our benefit. Well, Solomon, the wisest guy around, knew all about the power of the tongue, and he, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, has shared his wisdom to help me and to help you in understanding that power and to help us to use it well. As a matter of fact, throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon talks about the the mouth and the lips, the tongue, and our words almost 150 times. So in 31 Proverbs, 150 times we talk about our words and our tongue. Today in Proverbs 15, which you can flip there if you're following along in your own Bible, uh, Solomon lays out several verses about the power of the tongue in communicating what's in our hearts and minds. Uh, we're going to follow along with him starting right at the top in verses 1 and 2. So Proverbs 15 verses 1 and 2, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. So you'll you'll notice again, Solomon has this love for these contrasting couplets. Uh, He's often writing in his Proverbs where he contrasts the the wise and the fool, and you'll notice that both of them make themselves known by what comes forth from their mouths. Uh, It seems to fall right in place with that old aphorism that it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. And while I bet that we could all think of someone who might benefit from this sagely bit of advice for how to seem wise, The word of God gives us better insight to the heart of the matter. We can not only give the appearance of wisdom, but if we align our minds and hearts to God's word and do all that it says, we can actually be wise. And that's our goal. So to do that, we're going to listen to what Solomon has to say about how the wise use their tongues and how the fools use their tongues. And we're going to start by looking at the fools, which, as YouTube has taught us, is often the more fun to watch. So we're going to be skipping around in the chapter a little bit, but you should be able to keep up if you just stay in Proverbs 15 with me. Uh, And as we go, we're going to try and pick out some of the descriptors of the fool. So uh, starting back at verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So the number one thing that we learn about the fool is that he's contentious. He's he's always looking to to stir things up and start something. Continuing in verse 2, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. So pouring out folly might describe uh, maybe what you would think of as like a gossiper or someone who talks just to hear the sound of their own voice. Uh, Don't put any names in the comments. Verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. It's quite the warning against perversity. It's, it breaks the spirit. It's definitely not the camp that I'm looking to be in. Moving over to verse 7, it says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but not so the hearts of fools. So the heart of the fool is not spreading knowledge. What is it spreading? Maybe it's, it's spreading lies or, or rumors. Uh, through the tongue. Uh, Picking up in verse 14, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. So not only do they pour out folly, but they feed on it. Solomon puts these two together in more graphic fashion in Proverbs 26, where he says that a dog returns to its vomit like a fool to his folly. Uh, New Hope, I hope that you are. Uh, your breakfast is treating you well this morning. Um, we're going to continue verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And while not explicit within this specific coupling, I think that we could probably agree that the hot-tempered man stirring up strife is the fool in this particular scenario. Now moving over to verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So a a wise person considers his response. But the fool speaks the first thing on his mind, which Solomon aptly generalizes as probably evil things. I can certainly attest that that there are times that my initial response to, to things can often be defensive and contentious. And and in those times, I I make it a habit to give myself enough time to process, to ponder how to answer, and to rely on soft answers that turn away wrath rather than harsh words which stir up anger. Verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. James tells us that the, the same mouth shouldn't be used for blessing and cursing. And likewise, Solomon here tells us that a mouth that's otherwise used irreverently and for evil isn't necessarily the mouth that God inclines his ear to. I, I definitely want to be among those whose, whose prayer God is listening to. So Solomon here pulls no punches in describing the wicked of tongue or the fool. Uh, he guides us away from, from things like deceit and gossip and slander and boasting and verbosity, known more colloquially as uh, verbal vomit or talking too much and saying too little. Again, no names in the comments, please. Words can be hurtful, and our tongue can be a weapon. Proverbs 18 actually goes on to say that in the tongue is the power of life and death, and I believe that that's true. I've heard it put that hurtful words are like nails being hammered into a fence, that for every hurtful word spoken, a nail is being driven into those wood fence pickets. Those hurtful words like nails are an abundant commodity that we can put very little thought into before sending them on their way. But at some point in your life, you may realize that you don't want all of the nails in the fence and you might start working to remove them, apologizing and trying to repair the relationships that those nails may have hurt. But you'll find that even if you manage to remove every single one of the nails, there's still a hole left from the impact. You can't fully take back what you've said and the damage is already done. A fence can only take so many holes before it ceases to be a very good fence. When I've heard this metaphor, it hasn't necessarily been in a Christian context and and often it gets left right there as, as a cautionary tale with no ability to redeem. But as a Christian, I know something that makes all the difference. Rather, I know someone who makes all the difference. I know about and I know a carpenter who works to make all things new. Jesus Christ. And if you have that same head knowledge that matches a heart knowledge, let your tongue profess a hearty amen. And if you're joining us on YouTube or Facebook, let your fingers do the talking. So then, let's talk about what a redeemed might get us. Just as the, the fool's tongue can be destructive, so the wise tongue can actually be used to build up. Pastor Carl already walked us through one of the ways that a tongue is used to build up, and that's passing on wise counsel. In, in Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says that without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Surrounding yourself with godly counsel, can help your plans to succeed. Truly godly counsel will not merely flatter you and encourage you in all of your pursuits, but often it's going to tell you hard and sometimes hurtful truths that are going to lead to growth. Proverbs 27.6 tells us that the wounds from a sincere friend are better than the many kisses from an enemy. In Proverbs 15, I count four times that Solomon brings up the idea of reproof. Now, reproof is about finding fault, condemning wrong is wrong, but with kindly intent and aiming towards towards growth. The idea of reproof seems to more and more be finding its way out of the modern lexicon as society increasingly struggles to even be able to define right and wrong. A postmodern approach that says that, you know, what's real and true for you might not necessarily be real and true for me, leaves very little room for correcting one another in order to grow. But objective truth, objective truth like like that found in God's word, pays no heed to the politically correct whims of the day. Reproof is given as a necessary part of the path to wisdom. We're going to see that in several verses, uh, starting starting at verse 5. It says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. And then over to verse 10, it says, there's a severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. And then in 31 and 32, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. To put it in other words, Solomon's saying that on the journey to, to wisdom and intelligence and life, You're going to need to be corrected and pointed back to truth any time that we stray. And it's the fool that hates that correction and instruction. And and he hates himself enough to not take that instruction and grow from it. And ultimately, that leads to death. Those are sobering words. Uh, Another positive building use of the tongue is to encourage. Uh, Thinking back up in verse 4, back at the top, it says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. To encourage uh, literally means to to give heart, to give hope, to give life. Solomon says that a gentle tongue does just that. It is a tree of life. Other translations read that it is a good medicine or it is life-giving. In verse 15, it says, Um, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. And then in verse 23, it says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. So all of those things encouraging and closely related to encouragement is actually where I'd like to spend the rest of our time together today. And that's in the idea that our tongues have within them the power to bring about joy, joy through good humor. So in verse 13, it says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. And then in verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. The direct translation from the Hebrew for verse 15 actually says that a cheerful heart causes good healing. Modern medicine would definitely fall in line with that thinking, with many studies linking joy to healthy living, that more joyful people tend to live longer. But we could look to science and medicine all week long. This time is special. When we gather together like this, we want to hear what God and his word have to say on the matter. And I've got a challenge for you this morning um, that as the next time you're reading through the gospels to, to keep in mind. I challenge you to that we shouldn't just Think of the the New Testament picture of Jesus as always being meek and mild, carrying lambs around on his shoulders, never hurting a fly. Just like we shouldn't think of him in that way, we also shouldn't think of him as always strictly pious and somber. Uh, Examining the Bible, we see a picture of a high priest who knew exactly what it was to walk in our skin, like Hebrews tells us. He knew what it was to love and to cry and to laugh. If you go back and and you read through the Gospels, his sayings were full of wordplay and hyperbole that I think that we often put kind of a stone-faced countenance on that I think is undue. Uh, When he talked about camels uh, passing through the eyes of needles or casting pearls before swine to a a Jewish audience, uh, when he talked about sounding trumpets while giving to the poor or harlots being ushered into the gates of heaven ahead of the religious elite, Uh, I believe that he was not only communicating truths, but doing so in a way that put smiles on people's faces, heralded in a few chuckles, if if not outright belly laughs. There were certainly some who didn't laugh, namely those religious elite. And if we're keeping score, those are the same people who took the Sabbath day, which was a day that God gave us uh, with the intention to be able to rest and enjoy God on, and they turn it into a system of shackles. But as Solomon said, all of the days of the afflicted are evil. They have no time for joy or laughter. I don't need to tell you there's no shortage of people whose hearts and minds are fixated on the negative and their tongues profess it to no end. Turmoil is all they see and they feed on folly. Articles and news stories, abound concerning the latest thing that should grip our hearts with either outrage or fear. With so much doom and gloom around us, let's remember, especially in this Advent season, the news that was once delivered on angels' wings. We bring you good tidings of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's be a people whose God sent us a savior. Let's take refuge from all the storms of this life in him. Let's be a people whose tongues build up rather than destroy, whose hearts and minds are rife with joy, who walk in step with the spirit, whose fruit can be found in us. Let's use our tongues in the most worthy way possible, spreading the good news and being a people of great joy. Will you guys pray with me? God, we come before you as always humble and thankful. Thankful, God, for this season of Advent. Thankful that uh, you give us this opportunity to to remember. Uh, I've heard it recently said that that time is a thief and, and takes things away, but through remembrances and celebrations and anniversaries, we can we can force time to bring back what was taken. That that in that way we can we can celebrate again the the idea that there was a thrill of hope that that the weary world rejoiced and and today god some of us are living in a, a weary world and we rejoice god there are those that are hurting struggling not sure how they're going to make it but you are a god who provides and and we ask you to to help to hold us tight to the truth in our hearts and minds that the, the overflow of our joy in our hearts would pour from our lips that, that rejoicing would ever be on our tongues. God, help those that are struggling, heal the sick, make a way for those who feel like they have no way. Bring us all back together safely. God, we just love you and we pray all of this in your son's powerful name. Well, guys, uh, thank you again, church, for joining us today. Uh, It's always such a blessing being with you. Remember, uh, join us again on Thursday for our TNT devotional. Also, the weekend begins on Thursday, 7 p.m., all of our physical campuses. And we'll, of course, be right back here on Sunday at 945 for our online campus. We can't wait to join you in worship again. Be looking forward to Christmas Eve services. Again, doing so much work on that. It's going to be a great time. All of the times are going to be listed on our webpage, newhopechurch.tv. The countdown is on nine days. Love you, New Hope. We will see you next time.